provide some context um, for the next little bit. Um, I'm going to let Jude take over from here. Um, but we both grew up Nova Sordo, so attending the Nova Sordo. So when we talk about, I probably should have clarified this earlier, um, but both of us grew up going to the Nova Sordo Mass. So I went to it at least until I was uh, 18, maybe. Um, and that's when uh-huh. I discovered the Tridentine Latin Mass. But I still like, I, I still went to Nova Sordo Masses um, at school. Um, so right. I'm familiar with the Nova Sordo. Very familiar with the Nova Sordo. And Jude, I mean. Yeah, I still, I mean, I still attend the Nova Sordo. I'm, I go to the Nova Sordo Mass. It's, well, yeah, I mean, it's, that's what I've grown, I've grown up with. And the Latin Mass is hard to come by. Right, it's pretty hard to find a Latin mass. I think my diocese there's there's a couple priests that that say it once once a month. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's that's sort of the situation. Like, you, yeah, you um, it, it definitely like I you know I I we both believe that the Novus Ordo is is the holy sacrifice of the mass for sure. Right, or at so. least that um that the um consecration of the eucharist is valid like for, yeah that's so you know when the eucharist is consecrated well it is consecrated at every nova sort of mass so in that sense yes it is the real jesus christ is really present at every nova sort of mass like that's <laughs> yeah that's non-negotiable um, right but i guess with that context in mind it's not like either of us grew up as rad trads because we didn't yes so this is all coming from um backgrounds that are at least originally not rad tradie um or like someone who yeah, grew it's up more it, it's been a discovery for me for sure like oh yeah discovering the latin mass i mean it was a discovery for me too i discovered it on the internet <laughs> Um, yeah before that I didn't even know it existed yeah I can't remember when I I mean I've gone to Latin Mass like once or like yeah for me it's ice it's never been a consistent thing Mm -hmm. it was always just like oh that's that you know the the different different way you do Mass the Latin Mass you know it's in Latin that's so it's kind of interesting because like I did up until I was I think 17, I didn't know it existed. I legitimately thought the Novus Ordo was like the way the mass has been celebrated for all time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which, you know, it's weird to look back on and think about that and think about like how wrong that assumption was, but it also goes to show like how deep the the changes have gone because it's only like our would it be two generations it's been like 50 years yeah so So, it's only i I think we're only the second generation from vatican ii but yeah that's i mean yeah i mean you well latin mass very nearly went extinct so yeah 
it was basically like a, a rehaul of how the liturgy was celebrated. Mm-hmm. So, sort of no surprise, but at the same time, it is kind of surprising. Like, you had, you know, whatever, what, I don't know, on nearly 2,000 years of the Latin Mass, and then all of a sudden, it's like, people like you and me don't even know know it exists until, don't know it existed, you know, until like a couple years ago. Yeah. That's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, because I mean, like, just for crap, kind of a tangent, but like crash course in like the history of the, I guess to define our terms, when we say Latin Mass, we mean we're referring to the Tridentine form of the Latin Rite Mass. Um, which is the form of the liturgy that, I mean, still exists and has existed at least since Gregory the Great, Pope Gregory the Great, which is, he he was Pope in the 5th century. So that's 1,500 years of this liturgy existing without significant changes. And that's, like, the important thing. Like, the 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 Tridentine like liturgy underwent changes throughout its history, minor changes, so like switching different parts of like the introit or the collect prayers or like changing which uh, you know epistle readings are going to be on which days or adding feasts uh, uh, feast days for the new saints, um, right? But like with like those are minor changes, but like it hasn't changed substantially at least since the time of Gregory the Great. Um, And most, or like, I don't know if it's, if most scholars would agree, but, but there are a good number of scholars who would say that it most certainly existed even prior to Gregory the Great. Um, Hmm. So that would make it like fourth, third century, even maybe second century. Um, which is like that 1,800 years. Um, and then the Novus Order was cooked up in four years. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> by a committee. That alone um, is just, yeah. Um, like that should, <sighs> That should set like all your, all your, all the set all your alarm like, set your ray all, set your alarms off. You know, like, mm-hmm. four years. Yeah. Okay. This this is also a tangent off of a tangent. I need to stop going on tangents, but I think you'll appreciate this. Um, you've heard of Annibal Bugnini, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Father Bugnini. Yeah. Um, so Bugnini, um, I think he was a bishop. No, he was a bishop. Um, he was the main liturgist in charge of creating the Novus Ordo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dude's also a Freemason. So. Wait, he, that's confirmed? Oh, yeah. Really? I didn't mm-hmm. know that. I... Paul the Sixth. I'm pretty sure it's ah, 
Okay, I'll need to fact check that, but I'm pretty sure it's confirmed because Paul the Sixth actually. Um, I thought it was just speculated. No, I'm pretty sure. So Paul the Sixth. Um, I'm pretty sure. At least I've read somewhere. Okay, I should fact check this, but it, it this is true that um, Paul the Sixth sent uh, Bugnini as the apostolic nuncio to Iran. So the 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 Vatican um, diplomat representing the Vatican in Iran. Um, but the reason he did that supposedly is because um, someone provided him with a report claiming that Bugnini was a Freemason and it was confirmed that he was a Freemason. So Paul VI banished him to Iran and thought that by doing that, that would be um, like the best way that he could like get him out of the picture and like allow him to do the least possible damage to the church <laughs> because there's like three Catholics in Iran. So, you know, yeah, he's not really going to be able to do very much in Iran, but this was af- I believe after he completed creating the Novus Ordo and just like a funny moment. story that I, I came across, um, Involving Bugnini um, and the creation of the Novus Ordo is apparently um, um, a bishop who participated in the creation of the Novus Ordo, um, like just hated Bugnini, and they thought he was like rude and uncultured, and they called him uncultured, <laughs> um, and like just just like conniving and deceptive, and apparently at one point. Um, Bugnini, I, I don't know what specifically it was about, but Bugnini wanted to pass something, um, some some uh, implement some change into the Novus Ordo, and um, he told Paul the Sixth to um, to to implement that that particular change, and claimed that the entire committee had unanimously agreed to that change, assented to that change. Except the funny thing is, nobody had assented to that change. He just straight up lied. <laughs> but, I mean, this just goes, like, goes to show that, like, the creation of this liturgy, um, at the very least, there's some shady stuff going on. Yeah. Um, but I guess, <laughs> going back to the main point that we were going to talk about, um yes, Novus Ordo and natural signs. So Jude, if you'd like to start us off with this. Um <clears throat> I guess I don't know where you want to start. Anywhere. I guess like so. We talk start about with like, My Little random. Pony hymns. What? <laughs> Could start with the My Little Pony hymns. Oh yeah. So that that's legit. That yeah. is really surprising to me. It's I think it's awesome. Can you explain <laughs> the My Little Pony hymns to people? Yeah, you should. <laughs> I guess based so I, this is what my understanding of it is basically they there are some hymns that are sung in the Novus Order that 
the tune is based off of like the My Little Pony. I don't know what it'd be like the the theme mute song. The th- yeah. Mm. I want I want to know more uh, about how that actually happened. Mm-hmm. Somebody just like desperately like we need we need some we need some music we need some we need some tone like come up with. <laughs> we need like to mass produce to some hymns. We need to mass produce some hymns. Come on, get on it. Like, you're desperate. So, just. Hey, this is popular. My Little Pony's popular. Yeah. Your demographic is like eight year old girls. <laughs> yeah. That's. Oh, uh, yeah. That is. that. I think, personally, that I think that's far from the worst one, but. Yeah, it, it's one of my favorites. Just, um, it's almost like comical, you know? Yeah. I mean, and it is something comical. S- like, what? It is comical. It's yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, you were seriously but... going to start with. Uh... Yeah, so like the difference between so there's people that don't know. The different the rotation of the priest is different between the Trinitine and the and the Novus Ordo. So the Trinitine Mass, the priest is Adorantum, and in the which means I'm not I know odd means two and Orientum is like oriented to or oriented. I'm not sure exact what the exact translation is, but basically the priest is facing with the people towards towards God. Um, and yeah. then uh, versus populum is where the priest is facing the people. Um, so just to like hop a, in, hop in with a Latin etymology. Um, yeah, Latin. Root. You're the Latin expert. <laughs> Gonna have to be. Um, <laughs> Orientum actually means um, east, like so. It's facing to the east, and yes, there's a reason for that because mm. traditionally all all altars and all churches are supposed to be oriented facing the east. And the idea with that is it's facing towards Jerusalem. So where mm-hmm. the resurrection happened. Also, like yeah. the, the symbolism, like the rising sun, when the sun rises in the morning, it rises in the east. Um, and that's so like when... The west, is that... The west, is that uh, typically associated with Satan? Is that right? Huh. I thought that was the that, case. You know, that, that sounds right to me, actually. I feel like I've heard that somewhere. I've been to some Eastern Rite baptisms, and they there's a practice uh, where you spit to the, I believe it's to the West, like, mm. rejecting Satan, essentially. Um, hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, anyways. Huh. Well, so, yeah, that's... Yeah, well, I mean, it makes sense if, like, East is Jesus, well, then the opposite of that symbolically is going to be Satan. So, right. Like that's I, a I diametric that. opposite. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Adorantum so, versus Populum. There's some interesting yeah. things there about just like that itself. So it's like the with Adorantum, you kind of get the priest leading the people and you get you get a sense of hierarchy there. 
It's like the priest is fulfilling his his duty as like a mediator, I guess, sort of between mm-hmm. uh, between God and the people, and he's like le- leading them towards leading the people towards God. Whereas with the versus populum, it's it's almost a little more like democratic or something. Mm-hmm. Where where the people and the priests are kind of on the same level. Oh. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But that, I guess that, yeah. that you know that'd be another sort of like falling up, not recognizing the proper hierarchy. I guess in the liturgy, because there's a hierarchy in the liturgy. Um, you know, it starts. What? Like, there's a hierarchy in the liturgy. You're so undemocratic, Jude. Yes. You don't believe all human beings are equal completely and entirely? Well, yeah. I mean, as humans, people are. But when it comes to the literature, it's definitely a hierarchy. See, you're you're stepping on some toes there. Um, Like, in all seriousness, like, some people or actually a lot of people, um, this is anecdotal, but, like, um, there'll be priests who try to implement, like, ad orientum um, in their parishes, and yeah, some people go ballistic. Like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. They hate it, which is really, it is interesting, and it's funny that you, you, you make the connection to, like, um, ad populum is almost more democratic, because it's almost like the sense of um, like well this the priest has of, his back to us what is he better than us yeah um, it, well it seems like it kind of goes towards the like modernity and like the enlightenment where you know if everybody's equal or that you know, in a rejection of authority, then it kind of makes sense that you would see, you know, the the priest and the people, or the, at least I guess, the lay trying to ha- be on the same level as the priest. Yeah. yeah, because he's you know he's not better than us. He's just leading us. Actually, <laughs> one way I've seen um like Novus Ordo priests who, who face the people like Ad Populum um, described as are be, uh, described as game show hosts. Ow. What? So like they like stand up there and like a game show host, they kind of like, you know, wave their hands around and like direct yeah. the crowd to different things. And, you know, we'll, you know, make jokes to the crowd and whatever. So it's almost like a, like a weird sort of game show host but like the thing with game show hosts is that the game show host has to try to like he's on an equal playing field with the audience right he's trying to like gin up support um and get people to be excited and you know right um so yeah well and then i guess the question is okay um ad orientum versus ad populum I feel like the question we need to keep asking ourselves is 
what would a five-year-old think? Of the difference? See that? Yeah. So, like, if they... you, you plop a five-year-old down, you, you bring a five-year-old to Mass, uh, let's say Latin Mass, and the priest is facing towards the altar. Okay, maybe not five. Maybe that's too young. Eight? Eight-year-old? Um, Eight, ten, something like that. And they're just, you know, observing because kids like they observe everything. Oh yeah, they're like sponges, um, and ticks. I mean, yeah, that's how they learn. They learn by observing and imitating. Exactly. Um, Versus you, you, you plop like eight-year-old little Timmy at a Novosoto church every Sunday and. The priest is constantly facing the people. It's like that. Having been said, like what's what's the message that's being reinforced in little Timmy's mind? Well, you know, I think it would be with the uh, Otterante. He he'd obviously be directed towards something that he can't see, like something. There's mm-hmm. a, seems like it'd be more of a mystery, right? It's like the priest is up there facing away from us. It's like what's he what's looking he doing? Yeah, hmm. I, I, you know, little kids are really curious. We're wondering what's going on. Whereas with the odd populum, wait, so what's the difference between versus populum and odd populum? Is that the same? I think the it's same the little... same. Yeah. Okay. I mean, odd Anyways. is two versus is against. So like, again, facing yeah. against the people. Right. But then when little Timmy is sees the priest and he's facing the people, there's not going to be that. There's not going to be that wonder, like what's mm. going on. I mean, he'd still be observing, of course, but there's less mystery, right? And then also when he, you know, he sees what's going on on the on the altar. Uh, and he sees, you know, the priest holds up some, holds up a host, some bread, puts it back down. It's still bread. He's going to be wondering what's like, ooh, yeah. And that's a good segue too, back to like the primacy of reason, right? If yeah. your reason's telling you, you know, you see, you see the bread before the priest lifts it up. And then consecration happens, but the priest puts it down and it's still bread. You know, yeah. what are your eyes telling you? What's your mind telling you? Your senses tell you that it's nothing happened. It's still bread. Substantially and accidentally. Nice. I couldn't resist. Philosophical terms out there. Yeah. Do you? Um, but yeah, okay, so ad orientum and ad populum. Okay, that's that's one aspect. Um, what about... Well, uh, yeah, obvious, obviously, there's the, the difference of uh, language. So Latin. Oh, yeah, yeah. But Jew... Don't you want to be able to understand everything that's being said so you can participate? 
So yes, you can be that like one old lady who like shouts all the responses because she wants to be the most active person. Yeah. There is definitely that's a weird I've definitely noticed that before. Mm-hmm. It's like you want to be like the loudest. Like I'm you know, like it's like participation over like devotion or something. You know? Oh. Like, just going through the motions the best or something or like everybody knows you're going through the motions but you're not like is there really a devotion there behind that right huh oh no that that's a good point and i think like that that actually this whole concept of active participation right um that like the liturgy should be in a language that the people understand so that they can all participate to and can all like say the prayers and um, it should be simple enough that everybody can follow along and understand completely what's happening. And um... yeah, that's another thing too. This, this making it simplistic and what was lost by that. Right. You know, I think I've heard that the, you know, like when they, when they, they're like the, I guess the, the liturgical reformers, they took out all the, the quote unquote, like tough sayings or the hard, mm-hmm. the hard messages or whatever out of that, you know, because it is challenging to have to hear like, you know, if you're, if you're coming to receive unworthily, you're like, you're basically damning yourself. Oh yeah, that's a that's that a famous kind of example. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's just for context. That's what it's a Pauline letter. Is it? I want to say. Uh, shoot, I can't think of the. Is it a the you know, Philippians? I want to say Colossians, maybe or no. Not sure. We promise we read the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely. It, it's a <laughs> it's a famous Pauline passage from one of his epistles where he says, um, it basically says if you receive the Eucharist or drink eat the body or drink the blood of Christ unworthily in the sacrament of the Eucharist, um, you're committing a grave sin. Basically he says you're damning yourself to hell. Um in typical yeah, like condemning Pauline, yourself or something. Like forwardness um but that so that that's that reading or that epistle is in the cycle for the old mass the latin mass but it's not included in the cycle of readings for the new mass um which is yeah that's well yeah that's yeah like what i was saying about yeah taking out what they took out tough sayings well actually the thing is they added they added more Two. Now there's like, what is it, three? A three year cycle? Yeah. Which is almost like the, the, the idea behind that was more is better. But in this case, it's almost like more is in some cases worse. But think about like, speak of like trying to become familiar with the liturgy. If you have a three year cycle of readings, you're only going to encounter, you're going to encounter one 
let's say gospel reading once every three years. Yeah, that's so like and then... you're not you're not actually becoming familiar with that gospel passage. You're just like by the by the time it rolls around next, you're gonna have forgotten. <laughs> right. And the and then the problem with also with including more scriptures, like there's sort of a shift of emphasis to like almost it being like a quote unquote Bible study or like mm. we're gonna have more scripture and because obviously you should be like the main place where you read like read scripture is not at mass you know it shouldn't be at least <laughs> yeah but I think well it's kind of the, the ironic thing of like we added we add more scripture but it's like more is less because then you only get it once every three years. So there's that lack of familiarity. And then, but in it, but if you have that idea that, you know, I go to mass and I'm going to be enc- encountering scripture, more scripture than, you know, there's a good, good chance. You're not going to be reading scripture outside of mass. Right. And this is, this is anecdotal. So, and personal experience, but I've actually found that, like, so I've been going to the Latin Mass five years now, give or take, and I've Mm. definitely noticed that my scriptural knowledge, my knowledge of scripture has increased, like, noticeably more so than the 18 or 17 years, um, oh shoot, I just divulged my age, oh well. Uh, <laughs> um, that I attended the Nova Sordo, um, but it is like it, it is very noticeable because when you're reading the same gospel reading on the same day every year, by the third or fourth year, yeah. like it's getting embedded in your brain. It's like there are there yeah. are gospel well, readings I guess I that could... like are just embedded in my mind, and like they come up in yeah. the liturgy, and I'm like ah. But you can always learn something new too. Um, well, yeah, I think it's like, yeah, something yeah, I mean, that's not appreciated. Is super, yeah, because you, you, I guess the art, yeah, because people be like, well, that's, you know, that's such a small sample of scripture that you you want to know more. But there's so much in, in you know, like in the verses, just oh, levels of of meaning. But I wanted to to go back to something you said earlier um, about you brought up um, it was devotion versus was it participation? Yeah. And I think like participation over devotion. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's huge and actually covers a lot of stuff that we've been talking about. Um, but how the Novus Ordo in its entirety seems to foster this 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 approach of valuing participation rather than devotion. And it, it, I guess it fundamentally comes down to like the people who are participating in the liturgy what do they think the liturgy is about? 
Like, what's the point? Yeah. And if the point is just to, like, sing your heart out, laugh at father's jokes, and then march up to receive your Eucharist cookie on the hand um, as, like, a little reward for staying for half an hour, all that is is a focus on me, 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 me. Right? It's entirely self-focused. It's, you know... Again, there's something missing from that equation. Yeah. Um starts with a G, ends with odd. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like the... Um, well, with like going back to the odd populum, the priest is turning his back on the tabernacle. It's like God is kind of excluded, if you think about it. Well, and, and like, that's, that's another... <laughs> that's even if the tabernacle is on the altar. Well, yeah, true. <laughs> because, like... So that just, that's like... And if it's not, that's just you know, like pushing God to the side even more. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you think you, the, the front of the church is going to be, yeah, that's where you should be focused. And that's where you're ascending to God. But then they all, then the tabernacles over on, over on the side somewhere. Yeah. You know, what's even crazy though, is that like after the Novus Ordo was implemented, there's an entire like period of church they call it renovation. It's not really church renovation, but one of the things that they did to churches was they would remove the tabernacle oftentimes from the altar and move it off to the side or even into the sacristy. Which, huh. like, wow. Like, wrap your mind around that. Like, Like, what does that tell you? What does that, like, you show up, like, one weekend you show up to Mass and the tabernacle's on the altar directly in front of you, and then the next like, that's weekend. What you... Yeah, you think, I, that's, you yeah, know, that's got to, you know, that's another, you know, possible reason, or part of the reason why people would, or what is it, one-third of people believe in the pr- true presence. Like, we don't act, like, it is the trooper. That's part of it. Like, yeah, irreverence, turning your back on on the on God, or putting the tabernacle in the sacristy. Yeah, and that's. I think that's the key. Like one of the keys, the main points that you said it. You act like you believe it. If you don't act yeah. like you believe something, do you like? do you actually believe it? And in the future, will you believe it, continue believing if you do? Well, yeah, I mean, that sort of goes to the philosophy of like humans being body, soul composites. Mm -hmm. Whereas like where your bodily actions sort of uh, inform spiritual realities or something. Like if you, if you act a certain way, and you believe something else, those are like, in co- those are in contradiction. And one thing, one of them is going to have to change 
I guess mm-hmm. it's called dissonances. Um, There's a lot of yeah. cognitive dissonance out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Speaking of which, um, adaptability, mm. which is praised by some as one of the virtues of the Novus Ordo, which, yes, I love the logic for that one that like, oh, you know, there, there are some abuses that certainly happen right. in the Novus Ordo, but, but it's, it's adaptable. So it can be good too. <laughs> yeah it's like, it's like you're, you said <laughs> I don't I, I don't understand that doesn't make any like what is the person thinking when they say that it's like I don't know <laughs> it doesn't make any sense it's like <sighs> just can't. it's like you, you value adaptability over everything else or something yeah Which, I... that sort of goes that sort of goes to the idea of um, like conforming the liturgy to how you want it to mm. to look or f- be presented yeah hmm. if you want a clown mask then you can have a clown mask if you, if you want a rock a rock band mask you can have a rock band mask if you want like a reverent Novus Ordo mask, you can have that. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Side, side tangent for that. Ironically, like, the more reverent um, and traditional a Novus Ordo mass is celebrated, the more it starts to look like a Latin mass. Um. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can, because, yeah, because, like, you can have all, like, a lot of the Latin parts, like the, um, mm-hmm. the introit, I believe, and the collect. You know, the, the Kyrie. Right. The Gloria. And like the um, incense and. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. The candles. And, um, mm-hmm. It's funny because I actually had a friend um, who goes to the Latin Mass and um, we were talking about this. And he's like, you know, the best Novus Ordos just start to look like the Latin Mass. It's like, why? Then, then if they're the best. Why did they ever change in the first place? <laughs> I was like, yeah. uh, I was like, well, cause all of this, um, <laughs> what we've been talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, but there was something. Um, oh yeah, the the, the comparison between the. Um, I think you made this comparison between like the modern approach to the liturgy, specifically as it's seen in like Novus Ordo and transgenderism. Oh, so where are you referring to like basically transgenderism is the individual conforming reality to how they see themselves? Yeah. Or, then, like, reality has to conform to their perverse fantasies. Just to, to be blunt about it. Yes. 
Yeah, and then with the Novus Ordo, you get with the quote unquote the adaptability. You know, you can have any a whole range of possibilities of how it's gonna <laughs> look, depending on how you will have. Depending on your uh, your inclinations and predilections, and yes. did you know? Okay, this is this is an anecdote. Have I told you this before? Um, I have a friend who went to a. I probably shouldn't say the name of the school. Um, he might come after me. It's it is a famous uh, Jesuit institution of higher learning. That's all I'll say. Um, okay. You probably that narrows it down a lot. Um, right. But uh, so so he's going to this uh, school and they have a chapel on campus. And so he went to mass. And one one Sunday when he went to mass, the priest. Um, at I think it was at the, the point of the consecration. Right. He invited. Any. um people in the crowd who were who identified as LGBTQ to come up to the altar and um, participate in the consecration. Um. So, yeah. Um, so to round that story off, my friend just got up and left at that point. Um, which is what I would have done. Um but, participate in the consecration. Yeah, so to stand around the, the yeah. table altar and, I don't know, raise your hands or... I don't know. Not that their participation did anything, but... Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, it did something. It's a sacrilege. That's... Well, it's kind of, it's about... kind of funny that that kind of goes directly to what we were saying about the connection between... Like the transgender and yeah, um, because like and, and yeah, I was just sort of. leading in with that because there are there are parishes that are known to be LGBTQ parishes where they have pride masses, like they have rainbow vestments and rainbow stoles and you know, I guess do other pride stuff. We don't have to get into that, but um. It's a cafeteria, yeah. baby. Oh yes, cafeteria. That right. So that right there, though. That's not a. So if you had a consecrated priest, though, I've no, I've never heard of that actually. The LGBTQ parishes or whatever, the Pride mm-hmm. Mass. You have consec- You have ordained priests, right? So that's that is. That is like when he consecrates the host. That's valid. Yeah, that's the that's, that, that's worse. That's worse than it, like if it was just some like I don't know some random group of people that I guess because it's a sacrilege. That's what it comes down to. Sacrilegious. Oh yeah, no it, it, the 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 sacrilege that's committed. Um when something like that happens, like you had a priest, ordained priest at a pride mass, offers a pride mass, and 
consecrates validly a host. That's it's not even funny how how bad that is. Um, yeah, I don't know why. That's I the abusive fact. Oh, it's it's abusive for sure. But uh, I don't know why I thought of this fun fact. But did you know? Fun fact. Without going into the, this, could be another podcast too. It could be kind of interesting. But um, you know, satanic black masses are a thing, right? Um, like real satanists, they their liturgy is sort of an anti-liturgy. Um, mm, yeah, where it's a mockery of the mass. Actually, um, a former satanist. Now this is a, this is a weird, a weirdly coincidental. Well, not coincidental, but a weirdly um, relevant. Uh, piece of information i believe i read somewhere um reading the the words the uh, the writings of a former satanist um where he was describing what black masses are like and he was saying that black masses are um what they're mocking isn't the novus ordo it's actually the latin mass so they're inverting like the the rubrics of yeah. the latin mass not the novus ordo um but the only Christian church that Satanists steal host, consecrated hosts from is from the Catholic Church. Yeah. Which, you know, that's almost like a weirdly, a, a weird form of apologetics. <laughs> it's like, oh, who do the Satanists believe actually have consecrated hosts that are the body and blood of Jesus Christ. It's not the Episcopalians. (laughs) It's not the Methodists. (laughs) It's not even the Greek Orthodox. It's the Catholics. Um, I don't know. For whatever reason. And and it was interesting that you said they they try to mock that. The the Latin, the Trinity and Latin Mass. Mm -hmm. Because they, I mean, I presume they, they understand like the it's it at least is more reverent towards god right yeah well i mean more often than not anyways yeah yeah I, I, and that's not to say that like i guess everything we're saying that's not to say that abuses don't happen in the latin mass um like they certainly can um yeah i think it's more a matter of like which one like When an abuse happens in Latin Mass, it's it's an exception rather than the norm. But like the very structure of the Novus Ordo kind of lends itself to being abused, and I think that's the crucial difference. Um, but it is like I've I've read um, places that like in the nineteen twenties and thirties, like bef- so before Vatican II. Um, when it was the Latin Mass that was the liturgy, that it was common practice for priests to try to say the Mass as fast as possible. So they just, like, speed through the Mass. Um, and, of course, what that does, it's like, it, if you're speeding through the Mass, it's not going to be very reverent. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. And this is because if you're, if you're saying a Latin Mass, like a Tridentine Mass, it takes time. Um so like there are stories that 
priests would brag about how they could say um, <laughs> a Latin mass in under 30 minutes. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's not, you don't want to be bragging about that. No, you don't want to be bragging about that. That's not good. The only other thing that I thought of, I don't know if you did, if you thought of anything else, but um, in terms of practices that differ, and this isn't like a hard and fast one, but receiving on the hand. Oh, I mean versus receiving on the tongue. I it, yeah, but I totally experienced that. Now that you mention it, I can. Well, because in the Latin Mass, you have the the, uh, the communion rail. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it seems <laughs> more people than not would receive on the hand at, at, at least at the, at the Novus Ordo Church parish that I go to. Um, I mean, the, the Novus Ordo one that I used to go to, um, we weren't the only family to do it, but we were one of maybe like a handful of people. Who would ever receive on the tongue? So it was like, it was, we looked weird. <laughs> like we stood out. And we didn't even originally start doing that. Um, like I used to receive on the hand, actually. Um, but, but that's, yeah, that's just like another example of, you know, it's no surprise, like, no surprise why people don't. Over half people don't believe in the true presence. If you're just gonna walk up and receive on the hand, like that's the rev- like you're the reverence you're showing to it's God. Like you're is getting not a cookie. Very... Yeah. <laughs> Here's your participation cookie. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, in in um, this tangent, but in um, oh. I think it's Methodist churches. Their communion is um, cookies and grape juice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's that's the what is it, the Methodist you said? I think Probably or eight. Episcopalians, but. One of those. That's a whole different, whole different can of worms. Those, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you can do anything. You can start your own church if you're the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. What? What is that? Is a real church? I've never <laughs> heard of that. <laughs> I'm and I, I'm being serious. Like there's a there's a there is a legitimate organization called the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. Okay. I mean, that's what happens. Modernity, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it's uh, just one last anecdote that I thought of is, so I went to a, again, without naming any names or anything, um, I went to a Catholic high school, and they offered Mass every first Friday. And it was... It was a on the like on a scale of Novus Ordo masses, it was like below at well, 
average teetering on below average. There were bongos. <laughs> so, uh, oh, I forget. They, they had a horrible rendition of um, the gospel acclamation. Like, you know, mm. before the reading of the gospel when you sing hallelujah? Yeah. Yeah, the dude playing the bongos would go nuts. <laughs> but... <laughs> It shouldn't be funny, um, but so, so, but that's important because um, I became friends with a guy in my class who uh, wasn't Catholic. I think he was actually Methodist um, with the, the grape juice and, and cookies. Um, but I like senior year. I actually invited him once to go with me to to um, attend the Latin Mass, and he actually did. He went with me, and then after the Mass, I was like, "Oh, so what did you think?" And he was like, well, I've been going to Catholic masses for the past four years now at, at our high school, right? And he's like, that was completely different from anything like yeah. I'd ever experienced. It was like a different religion, almost. And granted, this is like a, coming from someone who wasn't Catholic in the first place. So he was just, but it was an interesting, like, side-by-side -side comparison from somebody who wasn't Catholic. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he was like, oh, yeah, it was, like, the sense of, like, mystery, and, like, it was just the entire, like, ambiance and atmosphere was completely different. Um, so... No, I've definitely... I've noticed that, too. So, you know, I've gone to Latin Mass before. Mm -hmm. That's certainly the case. Um, anyways, I think we have exhausted yeah. our notes at least. Um, there were many tangents. Oh yes, that's what that's what good conversation uh, has. I no, guess that, uh, it's probably the best parts were the tangents. Um, but yeah, well, it was, I think it was the unexpected. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think. We should probably wrap it up here. Um, yeah, I think it's a good stopping point. Yeah. And I think you should join us next time for more stimulating conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you want to help spread the word, leave a five-star review and tell your friends about it. Thank you for listening to Reclaiming Our Patrimony.